the Bible, if you would, to New Testament and turn to the book of Acts, if you would, the book of Acts. Some exciting news for you to, tonight. We are only 11 days away from the first day of spring. All right, March 19th is uh, the first day of spring. I know we sprung forward this this morning, and um, it's quite an accomplishment. The bigger your family is, if you can make it on time when these kind of things happen, the spring forward. So, and I don't take any credit for that. I'd get the credit to my wife and some of you that uh, know about that. I was thinking about the Angalas and how many they had to get ready to, this morning, and all that, and other families this morning, and uh, just quite, quite uh, the accomplishment uh, to be here on time this morning when you're springing forward and losing that hour, right? So anyways, but uh, for all of you, I don't know of anybody that was late this morning, so that's pretty, pretty good, and that's, uh, that's a good thing. But uh, Acts 11, verse 22, is where we'll find ourselves uh, reading this evening, and uh, Acts 11, 22, and um, one of the personal preferences, I guess a, a habit of mine, I, I enjoy um, standing for the Word of God, so I apologize that uh, you're sitting, but I want to stand back up and read the Word of God, and I'll let you sit back down in just a moment. Um, so, but we're just going to read the Word of God here, if you would, and I believe we have respect for the flag enough to stand for it. We should definitely respect enough for the Word of God to stand for it. All right, Acts 11, verse 22 says this, uh, Then the tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. He was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this time we can have together tonight. I pray that as we surround ourselves around the Word of God, that the Word of God would speak to us very clearly, and Lord, that our hearts would be open, that you would allow our eyes to be enlightened to what you have for us. May I not miss what I need tonight. And Lord, I pray that you will just use the Word of God, and Lord, to speak to us exactly what we need. And Lord, I thank you for the service thus far, and I pray even right now that you'll bless those that are traveling with the Israel trip. And Lord, I pray that you'll just give them um, safety and wellness. And Lord, all uh, the aspects of that trip, that it would go well. And Lord, I pray for our time together around the Word of God now, that we would, uh, Lord, be alert to what you have for us. And Lord, not miss it. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. Some of you might recognize this passage of Scripture, and I'm just going to state the fact right here from the beginning. Um, if you're going to Connection Group, you are in this passage of Scripture. The Lord laid upon my heart this passage of Scripture in a different aspect I'm going to try to bring to it tonight. And I really want to um, hewn in or zone in on this man by the name of Barnabas. Barnabas, and uh, you know, all of us have been gifted and talented in different ways. And in this room tonight, there are many gifts and many different talents that are represented. And I don't know about you, but when we talk about people that are gifted in certain areas, maybe there might be certain names that come to your mind. I think of people that are gifted in baking. Certain names come to my mind. And uh, if I'm wise, I'll say one of them is my wife, so I enjoy the food when I go home tonight, right? But uh, it's a matter that there's different people that are gifted as businessmen and businesswomen, and uh, different ones obviously gifted in music and, and gifted in teaching. And, and it, then there's uh, ones who are gifted in just caring. That's a big deal, caring for other people. And that takes a lot of, of effort and a lot of work, and some can do that better than others. 
and God is gifted in that way. There's ones who are gifted in organization, there's ones who are gifted financial planning and care, and uh, different skill sets and trades are represented in this room even this evening. Um, maybe it's a sport or activity, for maybe some of you younger ones, and uh, some of the older ones we think we still have that going on for us, but we find out when we try to play. But uh, the ones that are gifted in, in their mind, the creativity, and uh, hopefully you're gifted in having a mind to work, and there's a lot of different gifts represented, and, you, and more than likely, most... Most of us have maybe different gifts, but uh, we have more gifts than one or, or, or different gifts that God has given to us. And our gifts can change over time and over periods of time. And as soon as we talk about being gifted, a lot of times our mindset can be one that, well, I'm not sure that I really have gifts. could be that. Or it could be a matter that, yeah, I'm gifted and, oh boy, let me, let me show you how I am. I'm ready to use it. Hopefully it's not that mindset. But hopefully it's the mindset of this. I believe that I know the areas that, that I enjoy or that I feel maybe stronger at, but I want, you, um, when the gift is given, that it all just gets the praise to God and that it all comes from God anyways. He can take that gift away just as fast as He gave that gift to you. you know. Um, and so hopefully the greatest desire is to just please Him more with anything and anything that we do because you know, He's worthy of it. And uh, anything that is done should be done for Him. But God has gifted us in different ways and different um, talents, but God has gifted us all on purpose. Matter of fact, Romans 12, it says this, So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, the ministry let us wait on our ministering, he that teacheth on teaching, and this is what I want to uh, zone in a little bit on tonight and why this man named Barnabas, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. I will tell you, one of the most wonderful things about being in the body of Christ is to get to see different people use their gifts and use different talents. Uh, one of the true joys of working in ministry and being a part of ministry, which I count it a true privilege to be in ministry, and I'm so thankful for it. I, I do my best to thank God every day for it, if not different times throughout the day even. Uh, but one of the true joys is to see people get plugged in and, and see people faithful and over the years that are just continuing to stay true, you know, in day and out, week in, week out, and just faithfulness to different things that God has given to them as a ministry. And then to see new people get plugged in. I, I recall recently someone who uh, was very shy about getting into a greeter's ministry. And the greeter's ministry is important. If, you're a new, if a new guest comes in, which we're expecting, anticipating, we're praying that way, we're asking, we're inviting, we're, we're, we're wanting that to take place for Easter, and even before Easter is fine too. But uh, greeters, ministry is important, but it's a matter that there was one who was very reluctant to greet, but they do a great job greeting because they got plugged in and they're ministering. And someone who was willing to um, want to teach, and they, they had a little bit of reluctancy to that, and then another who was really reluctant about using the talents for the Lord, and now they're using the talents for the Lord, and that's exciting to see those things take place. They're using their gifts, they're using their talents. But if you would look, please, with me at this matter of Acts 11, verse 22, it says this, Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas. See, Barnabas... Why was Barnabas chosen? I believe this, and in Acts 11, there's actually going to be something for every one of us tonight. And you see the title there, Something for Everyone. I love the colors of it. Just, I guess, being in kids' ministry too long. But there is something for everyone tonight. 
And I believe this, that we can all be in the ministry of exhortation. And that we can all be in the ministry of exhorting. You know, no matter what age, no matter what stage you are in, in the growth of, of your Christian life or your Christian walk, can I tell you this? We can all be a Barnabas. And Barnabas is known, if you, looked, if you were to look at Acts 4, verse 36, we, which we will a little later on, he's known as the son of consolation. He's the son of encouragement. He's known as an encourager. I don't know about you, but I know people in my life that I would say they're a Barnabas. Boy, I'm so thankful for those people. You know this, you and I need Barnabas in our life. And I'm thankful that there are people that can say they are a Barnabas. They have been a Barnabas in my life. And I pray that I'm a Barnabas to, to someone or to, to, to many folks. But Barnabas is an excellent illustration of someone that we can all seek to imitate. And I know the Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest one we can follow. But the Lord Jesus Christ, in His working and His doings, put this in Scripture right here in Acts 11 about this man. And there's some things that we can pick up on that I believe is something for everyone. It's kind of like going to a buffet. There should be something for everyone. And it's your own fault if you don't take from the buffet and if you're at a buffet. And so, number one tonight, on the buffet of, if I may, this matter of looking at Barnabas and how he was an encourager... The first thing I realized about Barnabas was that he noticed, number one, that all goodness comes from God. All goodness comes from God. You know, the Bible says this in James 1.17, that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Please notice, if you would, with me, verse 19. It's a little bit unusual, but I want you to notice some things that are taking place, the church of Antioch, that are, that are happening in verse 19, it says there was persecution taking place. Now, you and I would not normally think as persecution as a good thing. Matter of fact, there's probably none in this room tonight who would say you're crazy if you would say this, that you want persecution to come to your life. I believe we're going to get closer and closer to the days of persecution and that could come to our life in our lifetime. But it's a matter that in, in this day, there was persecution taking place, and notice what it says. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution, verse 19, that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. By the way, that's the greatest thing that we can preach, is the Lord Jesus. In verse 22, you'll notice that these tidings start coming and they, they pick out, out of anybody that can be picked out of the whole church, they picked out Barnabas. I believe there's reason for that. And Barnabas was chosen because he was caught up on the things of God and because he noticed what was happening and how God was working. And he saw the goodness of God as a big deal and that the goodness came from God. See, persecution taking place, the scattering started churches. That was not anything but God that could do that. There was nobody that, they, that could be given credit for as far as man or men. Matter of fact, if anybody would think that persecution would start churches and say that that was what was going to happen, we happen to know it because we're looking at a scripture, but they would, you would think they were crazy to say that. But what Barnabas was doing is he was looking through the glasses of God's goodness and the lenses of God's grace. And he saw God's riches totally differently than the world could ever see them. Matter of fact, look at verse 21, would, would you with me? Notice the, these words. It says, And the hand of the Lord 
was with them. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord, the hand of the Lord. He was willing to see it as all God and nothing to do with himself. I don't know about you, but I, I've thought of this thought before. I, I wonder if there's times in our life where things come to us that we actually can steal the credit away from God. If we're not careful. That's not what Barnabas was doing. Barnabas was doing this. Barnabas was an encourager and he was filled with the knowledge that it was none of him, it was all of God and all of God's doing. Because here's the thing, letter A, only God could turn persecution of the church into something good. Only God could do that. And there's no way that it, it could be done by man. See, persecution was actually by man intended to hurt the church. This is what they thought. They thought that if they could scatter the church, then they could lose the church. That there would be no more church. That there would be no more people, you know, under the steeple in the church. And so here's the thing. Persecution was intended to hurt the church, but only God could work it together for good. The enemies thought that the people would be lost and ultimately lose them all the way, but God had other plans and he was, on the other hand, scattering the people to start more churches. See, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. Amen. See, what was happening in verse 21, it says this, a great number believed. I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I'm praying and anticipating, I'm expecting, and I, I hope for a great number, even on Easter. And it's a matter that we want a great number to come because we want a great number to believe. And a great number believed in this passage and in the church of Antioch, this is taking place. And this isn't just any group that's taking place with us. It's the Grecians, it's the Gentiles. It's, it's getting actually farther than their reach. It's going farther than what they ever could imagine it to go. And so now they're thinking, we need an inspector. We need somebody to go kind of search this out. We need somebody to go look into this. And they chose Barnabas. Why did they choose Barnabas? By the way, out of this group, there were, there were even Jews, and, and they were now turning to God because most people thought they you know, knew God because they were Jews, but they had a problem. The problem in this passage and even this period of time was that the Jews were worshiping, but they were worshiping the righteousness of the law, and that is it, and that alone. They weren't worshiping the righteousness of God alone. And so it was a lot of show, a lot of ceremony. But here's the thing, great number believed, and even the Jews, the Grecians, the Gentiles, all kinds of people are getting saved, and they're believing, and they're coming to Christ. By the way, there's nothing greater than that. And so here's, here's what I think about. I think about this. It's a wonderful change that's taking place. It reminds me of the song, Since Jesus came into, into their heart, light came in their soul for which long they had sought. Since Jesus came into their heart, floods of joy over their soul like the sea billows roll, since Jesus came into their heart. Seeds from wandering and going astray, since Jesus came into their heart. Sins which were many now were all washed away. Why? Because Jesus came into their heart. And they had believed. Barnabas recognized these things as God's doing. It was God's work. It was marvelous in his eyes. And let her be, not only could God turn persecution into something good, but he also, only God, could allow his path to be paved for Barnabas. Notice with me, please, if you would, verse 19. We, we saw some key people here that, that, are, that play into this historical moments and historical story here, of, and, or excuse me, narrative of this passage. And it's this. It's Stephen. 
Verse 19, Stephen traveled as far as Venus and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but only the Jews only. It's the men of Cy Cyprus. Notice verse 20. The men of Cyprus and Cyrene. These men, they're doing the greatest thing they could do. They're preaching the Lord Jesus. And the foundation they're laying is none other foundation than that which is Jesus Christ, which that's the only foundation that should be laid, and that's what they're doing. And they're going about that, and they're laboring. And we would say it this way, there's ones that have gone on before us, and for Barnabas, these were these men, men of Cyprus, men of Cyrene, um, Stephen, and others. They were preaching the Lord Jesus. They had gone on before them. They had paved the way. They had put the sweat, blood, tears, work down. And they are ministering for the Lord. And now, who is reaping the benefits? Barnabas. Barnabas and others that have followed after their footsteps. I think of this church. I think that some of the benefits we're reaping are a direct result of preacher. Being willing to preach. By the way, here's a little side note. Two weeks is his birthday. Alright, so if you want to write something to be an encouragement to him, you want to be a Barnabas, maybe you'll provide a card. The thicker the card, the better they are. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Bible says, Luke 12, 48, Unto whomsoever much is given, of him much shall be required. You know what Barnabas was, was seeing? He's seeing the goodness of God. So much so that only God could allow persecution to be a good thing. Turn into something good. You know, it's, it's the trial, it's a, it's a tribulation, it's a struggle that we think is going to be so bad for us, but then God takes it and turns it out to be good. And by the way, sometimes the most afflicted, most times we're in affliction, the most times we're in the struggle and trial is the times we learn the heaviest and we learn the most. Because God can work it out to be good. And only God could allow His path to be paid for Him. Only God could order His steps. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And so it's a matter that in Luke 12 it says, Unto whomsoever much is given of him much shall be required. But God had laid the path and had paved the way and had put men in, in his life so much so that Barnabas realizes, wait a second, I have a job to do. And he wants to be an encourager. And he wants to minister. And he, he wants to talk about God's goodness. And he does a good job at it. So much so that I think we would do well to imitate some of the things we'll find with Barnabas tonight. Because first of all, the goodness of God, he realizes, only comes from God. All goodness comes from God. Every perfect gift comes down from the Father of light. And so it's a matter that Barnabas was going to be used in a mighty way, but he was used because he hadn't gotten over the fact that where the goodness came from was God. And only God could do these things. He hadn't gotten over God's goodness. He was able to see that the hand of the Lord was with them. I wonder tonight, what would it take for us to recognize God's hand? Will we pick up on it? Will we notice it? Will we recognize His work, that He's working? Are we a rejoicer of God's goodness in our own life? Because God is so good. We've been so blessed. And uh, the thing of it is, this is something for every one of us that we can do. And we can also, very much so, we need to not forget that and appreciate the ones who have paved the way before us. You know, there are people in this room that have paved the way for my family here. There, there are people that continue to pave the way. And hopefully we're paving the way for someone else after. And that and, and that's, should be our prayer. Secondly, what Barnabas did that we all can do is, I believe this, number two, he looked for grace of God in others. 
He looked for the grace of God in others. Would you notice verse 22? It says this, Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, and when, who when he came. The tidings had come to the whole church. The news was out. The revival was taking place. Things were happening. People were getting saved. I mean, multitudes were being reached. I mean, so much so that it's going farther and it's going so far that they need to get somebody all the way as far as Antioch, which is estimated to be from Jerusalem about 300 miles north. That's a long trip. That's not getting in your vehicle and traveling back in that day. But if they send the wrong person, someone with issues of pride, someone with issues of jealousy, someone who's not going to be truthful, Someone who's going to twist the story to make it look good for themselves or for the church coming back to Antioch, that could be very dangerous. Very dangerous. Because it would do damage to the new believers that had just trusted Christ. See, these are new believers. They had just believed. They had just turned to the Lord. And Barnabas is going to say, hey, what we should do is, now you've turned to the Lord, now you should cleave unto the Lord. And so... 19 and 20, when it talks about Cyprus, and it mentions it twice, you know, Barnabas was considered a Cypriot. A Cypriot. I'm not going to say that not even one more time. All right. But Barnabas' testimony could have been very strong from being from Cyprus, but there was no question that he was not going to waver or, or even have any prejudice toward just Cyprus. No, he was the right man for the job because Barnabas had a testimony. By the way, every one of us, something for everyone, every one of us have a ministry we're involved in, whether you realize it or not, and it's this. We have a testimony ministry. We all have a testimony ministry. You say, I don't know what ministry, I'm not, I'm not serving in such and such ministry. You name the ministry. Well, every one of us is serving in our testimony ministry. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, it says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor, rather than silver and gold. Out of anyone they could send, they send Barnabas, because Barnabas, verse 22, he's going to make the journey. He's not going to quit along this long journey. And he's going to go even as far as Antioch. But Barnabas was trusted. He had proven himself. He had a reputation that preceded himself. He walked the talk and talked the walk, and they both matched. And he would see something that more than likely if they had sent someone else from the church even, not as well as Barnabas could because Barnabas made it to Scripture. Barnabas would see some things that others might not see, and at least we know Barnabas did see, and it's this, that he would look for the grace of God in others. He would look for the grace of God. How, do you, how can you prove that? Well, notice what he, what he picks upon immediately in verse 23. Who when he came had seen the grace of God. He was picking up on the fact that there are people that had seen the grace of God. And there are people that are right there in front of him that if it weren't for God, they wouldn't even be saved. And it weren't for where they were at, just their life just being changed, then that can only be explained by God's grace. And so when you look at a description of, of even Barnabas, you notice verse 24, kind of a bio. Here, here it is. He was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. When I read that, I think of this, I think of what description 
would you or I be tagged with? Could that be said about you or I? Could it be said that they're a good man or good lady, that they're full of the Holy Ghost? That's a man of faith. That's a, that's a lady of faith. Could it be said that because of that even, and because of their testimony, their ministry testimony, much people are added unto the Lord? Wow, what a testimony. Barnabas is, is pretty good for us to imitate and for there to be some things that we can emulate in his life. And I believe one of the things that we can emulate is that goodness comes from God. Persecution, church? Wow, God uses that to start of the church as only God. A matter of things that, that only God can do, well, only God can do them, so I'm going to give God all the credit, all the praise. And I'm going to look for grace of God in others because you and I can find grace in every one of our lives. But we have to be one that looks. We have to see it. And before you think you have to look real hard, we do not have to look real hard. You say, well, you don't know who I'm sitting by. Wait a second. <laughs> it's not a matter that we have to look very hard because the grace of God is shown in all of our lives. You don't know who I... Whatever you say, live with or, or, or work with or whatever you want to say, the grace of God is there. It's whether or not we're going to look for it and see it because it's, it's available. As many of you know, we traveled to Florida this last week and we enjoyed the sun and we brought the sun back with us. just want you to know that. But one of the things that I find when we travel is I appreciate the fact that my wife does very light packing. And she, she's got it down to a T, and it's, it's mastered. And uh, it's really quite amazing uh, for our family that she can pack. And literally every one of us only had a backpack on our back, and that was all of our clothes. That was all of our shoes. That was everything we needed for a week. And so that's pretty incredible. But here's the thing. You know when I became very appreciative? As I made the walk through the airport. And the longer the walk, the more appreciative I became of how, of how light the baggage was there. And I want to tell you tonight, Christians and dear, dear ones, even as a Christian, we can carry a lot of baggage with us. And if we're not careful, the longer this journey goes, the, the heavier, whatever it is, it doesn't matter how, how much is on our bag, and the more that's on there, the more sin baggage you want on the back of your back, the heavier it's going to be, the heavier the load. I, I'm, I'm reminded of Pilgrim's Progress, and I think of that, and the journey that he's taking. And, and that heavy load, if that is sin baggage, and you want to look to the past, you want to bring that with you, or you want to, you want to hold on to it, I, gotta, I can't let go of this. Well, you're going to start to become burdened with that baggage and with that sin. And it's going to become a long and longer, harder, more difficult journey. And I'm afraid as Christians, if we aren't careful, we hold on to baggage. Because we're not looking for the grace of God and others. And then we want to hold it against other people if we're not careful and not see that by God's grace, they came out of that. Or by God's grace, they need to come out of that. And they're not going to come out of that unless we show the grace of God to them. And so that's where it all comes full circle and back to play. And so we can look for the grace of God and others. Oh, I want it to be a matter that for ourselves and for you and I that we can see pictures of grace that we can see lives of grace. And if there's anyone that you and I cannot find God's grace in, you know what that says? That just shows you and I where our heart is. 
That shows you and I that, you know what? Our own heart is not seeing what God has done in their life. Oh, we can look for the grace of God in others. Do you see God's grace in others? Barnabas did. He was so focused on God and God's working in the lives of others that thirdly, it was proven by, number three, that he was glad about God's working. There is a word in this passage of Scripture that is an emotion. And it's an emotion that it's okay for Christians to have because notice this, if you would please, with me. It says this, that verse 23, when he had come and seen the grace of God, he was glad. Yeah, he was glad. Yeah, you read that right. He was glad. Just, just glad. That's good enough. Because it's an emotion that is put on purpose in the Word of God because we can be encouragers, but we can only be encouragers if we're glad. Because I can guarantee you this, that Barnabas didn't say this as the passage goes on in verse 23, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, cleave unto the Lord. No, I don't think so. It wasn't that way. Matter of fact, he was so into exhortation and so into gladness that it was a matter that it's almost as if they wanted to buy into this matter that what he's talking about. And he was talking them and encouraging them and exhorting them to cleave unto God. And they wanted to be a part of that because he had gladness on his face about it. He wasn't mad. There's no way that he was mad saying that. There was no way he was upset. It was only glad. See this? People aren't attracted to sour Christians. Um, you say, it's hard for me to be glad. Well, we've got to look at God's goodness in our life. We've got we to gotta go back to God's working, and we've got to see the grace of, in the lives of others and God's grace to me, and my goodness, I'm thankful for that. And, and so, out of all the people that should be glad, it should be us, God's people. Out of all the people that should be rejoicing, don't you think we have enough with Christ? And don't you think that Christ in our life, not just good enough, but it is all in all we need. By the way, we just sang about that and in Christ alone. And it's the greatest we could ever ask for. See, gladness is inherent in good exhortation. And gladness comes in our life because we're so thankful about the goodness. We're so thankful God's working. We're seeing the grace of, in the lives of others. All this is going on around me. I'm, oh, it's creeping up. I'm glad about it. And it's a matter that I, then we get, to get happy about it and we can say, hey, you need to cleave unto the Lord. I mean, you turned unto the Lord and you got saved and you believed. Come on. Let's cleave unto the Lord and do the best we can to cleave unto Him, hold fast unto Him, grab a hold of Him almost like glue, get stuck onto Him so badly that, man, this is a great life that we can live with God because God is working and God is doing something and I want to be a part of it and I, I think you want to be a part of that. And it's a glad heart that exhorts and when you and I exhort, it brings about gladness to others and might, by the way, it actually, actually encourages and it helps more of God's work to be done. And so verse 26, notice what happens. They call, they're called Christians first in Antioch. Surprise. No, not really. Because you have this man named Barnabas who's exhorting, who's encouraging, who's saying, hey, cleave unto the Lord. I mean, he's good. God's goodness. I mean, there's been people in my life that have paved the way and only God could do that. And he put Cyprus, people in Cyprus and men, men of Cyprus and Stephen and all these others. And I want to get it out to somebody else. And so fourthly and finally tonight, it's a matter that he guided people to God. This is Barnabas. Barnabas. 
goodness of God. Barnabas, the glad about God's working, looking for the grace of God in others. And lastly, guiding people to God. Yeah, they turned to the Lord in verse 21. I think of it this way, and, and I believe this to be the case. You know, the turning to the Lord is kind of without and, and out there, the church, church walls out there. And then the cleaving unto the Lord is building up those that are in here. And so here's the process. Turn, cleave, turn, cleave, turn, cleave. And that just keeps on getting repeated. You know, it's almost like the wash machine going round and round and round and round. Turn people to the Lord. Cleave unto the Lord. Turn people to the Lord. And that's what we're going to be doing in our life. And as a Christian, we can help turn people to the Lord because they see something different about us. It could be our gladness. It could be our exhortation. It could be us saying, hey, turn to the Lord and believe in the Lord. And then we see great things take place and a great amount of people get saved because they see something about us that they want, not that they don't want. But, and then, then we say, hey, come to church with me. We're bringing them to, to the build, building of believers that is encouraging. And it is a matter, they're turning, they're cleaving. And so what's happening here in verse 23? He's saying, hey, we should exhort. And then he proves it. Notice what he, what he does. He proves it in verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus to seek who? Saul. Now you and I know the rest of the story, like Paul Harvey. Now Saul turns to Paul. But Barnabas had no idea how greatly God was going to use Saul. But you know what? Everyone else didn't want anything to do with Saul. And see, there's Saul's in our life, I believe, that God puts in our life. And if we're willing to go after we don't know that that Saul could turn to Paul and how God could use that Paul. But we've got to be willing to go after the Saul first. And see, Barnabas cared about Saul when no one else wanted anything to do with him, not even the disciples. It says this, When Saul was come to Jerusalem in Acts 9, 26, he has said to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. By the way, he had a right to be afraid of him. I mean, Saul's the one who killed him. I mean, he was known for the sniper of the saints. He would be kind of like the Osama bin Laden of our day, or of that day, even. And many people, many, many families had been affected by this. But Barnabas, it says, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. See, Barnabas was guiding people to cleave to God. By the way, another group that Barnabas was helpful to was the apostles when they were in jail, when they were beaten. Barnabas did this. Barnabas in Acts 4, 36 and 37 says he had some land that he, that he had to himself and he had, he had bought it and he paid great price for it. And so he took that land and he sold it and took the money and laid it at the apostles' feet because they were in jail. They're beaten. And he brought the money and he put it at their feet. You think that was an encouragement? Guarantee it was. You know what that said to those, the, those families? It said, hey, we're going to take care, we're gonna still take care of your family. We're still take care of all that because you're cleaving the Lord. I'm, I'm encouraging you to cleave the Lord still. You're in jail right now, but cleave the Lord. Another example is John Mark. Paul said about John, oh, no, he's not profitable in ministry. No, 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 no. Barnabas took him and, and, he, and he told John Mark later on, he's profitable me to ministry. Barnabas was an encourager wherever he went. See, I believe this. This is something we all can do. We can all be encouragers. And so tonight, I want to encourage you with this last thought. That Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another. And so much more, 
as you see the day approaching. You know who needs encouragement? Believers need encouragement. I'm sorry to tell you, we do not have home field advantage. And when you, when you go to a stadium and you hear the home field advantage, and you can tell that you're on the home field, there's cheering that's happening, there's excitement that's taking place, and if you're trying to cheer for the away team, you feel out of place. And we should feel very out of place as strangers, as pilgrims in this world. And by the way, it's a matter that we don't have that home field advantage, so you know what we need? We need to get around other believers. And we know what we need from other believers? We need encouragement because we're going to go back out and be the away team and not have home field advantage in the, law, in the world and try, try to win the world to Christ. But it gets difficult, it gets hard, it's challenging to go to work again tomorrow. And I'm not talking about myself working in the church, I'm talking about you in the secular realm. <laughs> But what I'm saying, and I hope you see my point, is this, that we need to encourage each other. Barnabas never looked to be encouraged. He looked to encourage. David had to encourage himself in the Lord. And when we see God's goodness, when we see the grace of God in others, when we're glad about God's working, I believe we'll guide people to God. I believe we'll say, turn to the Lord. I believe we'll say, cleave to the Lord. And I believe this, it's something for everybody. We can all be encouragers. And Barnabas was. And it's something we all can do. This is something for every one of us, no matter what age you are, no matter where you are in your Christian life, no matter what the stage is, you can encourage and we can all encourage. Let's pray.